This is 15 Minute Fundamentals, where we interview Crypto Project's core contributors and together walk through the charts available on Token Terminal. In this episode, we discuss the basics of Gearbox Protocol, a composable leverage protocol that connects passive liquidity providers to active borrowers. Over the next 15 minutes, you'll learn about the basics of Gearbox, its economic and business models, the DAO and the Gear token, current growth drivers and challenges, positioning within the market, upcoming developments, and more. Hey, Amplis, welcome to 50 Minute Fundamentals. It's great to have you on. Hi, nice to meet you. Now, before we dive into any of the details, could you just give us a quick introduction to Gearbox protocol for anyone not yet familiar? Sure. So Gearbox is a composable leverage protocol. The idea being in the past, the kind of leverage you could get in DeFi was quite siloed. So for example, you know, you could like punt on perps and there's leverage there, but like the only thing you can do on a perp platform is punt on perps, right? And then there's like Alphahomora where... You can like leverage farm, but it's like you have to enter into specific farms on a case-by-case basis. So Gearbox basically abstracts that out a bit. We created a, a DeFi primitive called credit accounts. And the idea is like you can put in like one ETH as collateral, borrow like nine or 10 ETH at the maximum at the moment. So like nine or 10x leverage. And then that 10 ETH goes into a the primitive called the credit account. And then from that credit account, it's almost like a smart contract wallet with limited actions that you can do that we deem safe. But like, so you can farm and yearn, you can farm and curve, you can farm and convex, you can stake ETH into Lido. And then you can also do margin trading if you want to with specific tokens that redeem reasonably safe. And all of that can happen in one place in your credit account, as opposed to, you know, putting money in and pulling money out of individual vaults, if that makes sense. And the idea is like, the more we add in terms of adapters is what we call them, but integrations with other protocols, the more it becomes like just a smart contract wallet with leverage built in for all the safe protocols, safe from our perspective. Yeah. Awesome. And to dive a bit deeper into your core product, so the credit accounts, can you walk us through the main innovations that these introduced to the market? Right. So I would say the core innovations in terms of how it can be used, right? Like how it's useful to the end user is number one, you can put in multiple different types of collateral. Okay. So certain stable coins, Ethan, BTC at the moment, but that's expanding. So for example, we're looking at adding LUSD, we're looking at adding FRAX. So that's going to grow over time. And then the assets you can borrow to be like put into your credit account with leverage. So immediately what that gives you is you can put ETH as collateral and borrow stables, right? Or you can put BTC as collateral and borrow ETH, for example. So you can do like a lot of interesting long short stuff with just messing with collaterals and what asset you borrow. And then the other innovation is everything in your credit account is cost margin. So you can have multiple positions. And if one of your, so for example, let's say you put some money into Yearn and you put some money into Curve, right? If your Yearn position goes up and like something terrible happens, with the curve position and it goes down, those two things balance each other out. So in a sense, all your positions collateralize all your other positions within the credit account, which makes it easier to do interesting stuff, take specific risk exposures and prevent yourself from getting liquidated right? because everything is collateralizing everything else. Before we move on to the financials, can you describe the stakeholders involved in Gearbox as you can be thought of as kind of a two-sided lending marketplace? So all of the stuff that I just talked about was on the borrowing side, right? So in order to enable that, obviously we need lenders. So there are passive lending pools for all the base collateral assets that you can borrow in Gearbox. And the idea is like the passive side is supposed to be relatively straightforward. Basically it's functionally from an end user perspective, no different than like depositing an Aave basically. You're putting in your assets and if they get borrowed, then you're going to earn an APY. And the more they get borrowed, 
card or like the high utilization on the pools, on, on the pools for the assets that you lend, the higher your APY will be. So that's pretty straightforward, right? And then all of the innovation or the fun stuff happens on the borrowing side, which is the credit account stuff that we just talked about. So in terms of the two stakeholders, there are the, there are the lenders who passively deposit their assets, and then there are the credit account users who are the borrowers who do the kind of more interesting and risky strategies. Got it. And then onto the financials. Can you describe Gearbox's economic and business models so we understand how value flows both through and to the protocol? So let's take the lending side first. So say I am a lender, I'm relatively risk averse, and I just want to like deposit my funds and forget about it, right? So let's say I, I like take 10 ETH and I put it into Gearbox on the lending side. My yield would depend on how much borrowing is happening, but basically I'll just earn yield on that 10 ETH. So let's say there's 10 ETH in the protocol now. Now credit account user goes in and wants to borrow some of that ETH. So let's say they put in one ETH and they want to borrow five ETH. So the total position is 60. So like that pool is now whatever, 60% utilized, right? Then that credit account, which functions as a kind of smart contract wallet, like I mentioned before, you can take that ETH that you borrowed and stake it in Lido, for example. Okay, so now that ETH in the credit account is no longer ETH, it's staked ETH, STETH, and that's earning 5% or whatever the, the staking yields are for that credit account user, right? And because his original position is only, like he only had one ETH to deposit into the system as collateral in the first place, he's earning like six ETHs worth of staking yields for his one ETH deposit, right? So that, like, let's, let's say the math is simple and it's like he's earning 30%, like five times six is 30, right? So he's earning 30% yield, but he's borrowed five ETH and he needs to pay back the lender for borrowing this ETH. So he needs to pay an interest rate on the ETH he's borrowed. So let's say the interest rate is like 3%, right? Which I think long-term that's with current parameters in Gearbox, that's what we're aiming for with ETH borrows is like around about 3% um, that, that's subject to change, obviously. So he's borrowed five ETH, he's paying 3%, that's like 15%. And then he's earning 30% because he's one ETH, his own one ETH plus the five ETH he's borrowed, he's earning 5%. So that's 30% minus 15%. So his total yield on the credit account side is round about 15%. And then the lender has lent out 10 ETH total, and he's earning 3% on six of those ETH. So his APY is whatever that works out to be. So that's basically how value flows, flows through the system. I will also add, there's a couple of uh, things to note here. There's a spread in between what the borrower pays and what the lender earns. And that's what we call the spread fee. And that fee basically goes to the protocol. And then the other thing is, for example, if like staked ETH depegged, right, suddenly for whatever reason, let's say like, you know, touch wood, Lido gets hacked or something things like ETH goes to zero. Obviously the borrower is going to get liquidated and you know hopefully our liquidators catch it in time. So like when that happens state ETH isn't actually worth zero yet. And if that's the case, the borrower will get liquidated, whatever value is let remaining is used to pay back the debt and there's a liquidation fee just like in Maker or in Ave, right? That's some of that's paid to the liquidators and some of that goes to the protocol. So those are the two fees that are built into the protocol. Got it. That's clear. So Gearbox is currently capturing revenue via the spread fee and then liquidation fees. Is there anything else that we should be aware of? Those two for the moment, but that's not to say that things can't be added in the future. Yeah, for sure. Now, what would you say are the biggest drivers and challenges related to your growth right now? So the main drivers, like kind of on the positive side, I think there's a lot of demand for, for the product on the credit account side. We have kind of launched in a uh, guarded way. So you have to basically ask, you have to ping somebody on, on Discord to get access to the credit account. There's this like whole NFT system. But basically you have to ask like somebody from the contributors to add you to the list of wallets that can access credit accounts. And then there are some minimums in terms of how much you can borrow. There are maximums as well, but in, the, in this case, more relevant minimums in terms of how much you can borrow for like protocol safety 
reasons. So like we're, we're kind of limiting access and still the demand for credit accounts has been pretty extraordinary. So I think there's demand for product. And in particular, as we add more and more uh, integrations, the way that I see it is like, that is what is going to drive growth, right? Because why would you, for example, farm on curve purely like in stables at 1x, like if you think the stable coins that you're farming are actually going to be stable, right? If that's your view and like you've priced in the, the risk of depegging and all that, why farm 1x when you can fi- farm 4x, right? Because even at 4x leverage on your position, you would need quite a large depegging event to end up in a situation where you're going to get liquidated. So it's just like, it's not free, like there's risk involved, but it's it's quite a lot of additional yield that you can earn with um, what some people will view as relatively little risk. Um, so there's definitely demand on the credit account side. I think one of the challenges that we're facing right now is how do we get more lender passive lenders into the protocol right so our utilization rates occasionally have bumped up above the levels that we want them so like our goal mostly is like 60 to 80 percent and once we get above kind of 80%. That's when like the borrowers start paying quite high interest for the funds that they borrowed, which is obviously not ideal, right? Because um, that then affects the profitability of their strategies. So we want to keep the kind of utilization ratio in that sweet spot. And occasionally, you know, we've had basically utilization go above those sweet spots. So really what our challenge is at the moment anyways, is attracting more lenders, particularly big lenders, potentially things like institutions who might want the, like just a safe thing, the thing that you don't have to think, think about, just deposit their funds in and walk away, right? And still earn like reasonably good yields. Those yields are incentivized right now with tokens. But even without incentivization, I think the yields are like quite comparable or better than other options like on that lending passive side in the market. So we just got to like get the word out out there, find the right kind of user, the kind of user who doesn't want the leverage stuff, but does want to just park their funds and basically attract those people from wherever else they're parking their their funds at uh, to earn that passive yield, which is quite competitive in terms of rates uh, compared to whatever else is in the market. Yeah, that sounds like a solid plan. And as you've mentioned, integrating with other protocols, and I wanted to ask how Gearbox is positioned from a kind of complementary versus supplementary solution perspective within the broader market. Who are you competing with? And how do you see this dynamic in general? I think philosophically, we're not trying to compete with anybody. Our ideal scenario, or at least in my head, like I don't speak for the whole DAO, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like in my head, the ideal scenario is other protocols see Gearbox and they see it as a kind of not middleware exactly, but our whole thing is composable leverage, right? So like I would like to see Gearbox become just a leverage layer for whoever, whatever protocol wants leverage in their protocol, if that makes sense. So there are a couple of examples here. There are a couple of projects like Brahma, for example, who they're kind of like a competitor with Yearn, but doing, I would say, more exotic strategies. So they've built like a few volts on top of Gearbox. And that's more the kind of thing that I'm hoping will happen is like, rather than spin up your own leverage, everybody just does leverage through Gearbox and we kind of integrate with as many projects as possible. So that way there's like leverage layer and then you can build your vaults or strategies or whatever it is you're doing on top of that. That makes sense. Obviously the reality is you can't get away from the fact that for example, like are we a competitor to Alpha Homora? Like probably we are, but I do think the protocols work differently enough that maybe the user base doesn't overlap that much. So I don't really think about the competition aspect that much. And then like another example is like, oh, are we competing with like part platforms, for example? 
Like, honestly, no, because while you can margin trade on Gearbox, there's no like 20x, 50x, 100x leverage because we're dealing with underlying all the leverage stuff is spot, right? It's not a virtual or synthetic position. All the positions that exist in Gearbox are real. There's a limit to how much leverage we can do safely. So like, we're not really competing with those platforms that offer like just pure degen traders, 20x perps on whatever, like Solana or whatever. So there's different use cases for different kinds of leverage for those reasons. And the reasons that like, I think DeFi needs to go together. I don't really see it as competition so much as we just hope that our product is good enough that everybody is like, when they're thinking, oh, how can we build leverage into our protocol? Gearbox is there. Let's just integrate with them. Yeah, I like that thinking. Then let's speak a bit about the DAO. You launched the gear token late last year. So starting with that, can you describe its purpose? So I'll just give a little background on how we launched. So Gearbox was launched kind of quote unquote DAO first, meaning even kind of as the protocol was deployed, we did this thing called credit account mining. So basically the credit accounts themselves cost quite a lot of gas to deploy, right? And each credit account is a separate entity basically on, on chain. It's almost like an address, like it, it's an address that you can like look up in Zapper and you can see all the assets in your credit account the same way you would for your wallet, for example. So like each of these credit accounts needs to be deployed and Gearbox has a system where when you close your individual credit account, that credit account isn't just destroyed and unused forever. It goes back into the our pool of credit accounts that then gets reused when somebody else needs to needs to quote unquote, open a credit account, if that makes sense. So like they don't go away, they're just kind of rented out or however you want to kind of visualize in your head. So basically we needed a bunch of these credit accounts deployed and we figured, well, why not like make that also the starting place for the DAO, right? So like everybody who deployed a credit account got some gear. And then basically the DAO happened day one, there was voting right away. And not only that, all the people who had tokens prior to that, so the original founding contributors, right, they had their voting share cut like substantially. So like, I think it was, I honestly don't remember the numbers now, but let's say like their voting power was like 80% decreased from what it actually would be or the kind of original crew such that it really would be decentralized from day one. Um, so that's just a cool little thing that, and I, I'm not, I wasn't one of the founding contributors, by the way. So I was credit account mining with everybody else. So that was kind of a cool thing to be kind of like more decentralized centralized from day one. So on top of the credit account mining, in terms of the DAO, the gear token currently is, I mean, it's a valueless governance token. I guess it's used for voting on all sorts of things. So basically every every decision that the protocol makes, including deploying new adapters, updating risk parameters, changing the the kind of financial or technical multi-sigs, all of that stuff, everything is voted on by the DAO, right? So nothing happens in the protocol without a DAO snapshot vote first. Um, I think the goal is to eventually move most, if not all, probably most, probably all is difficult, right? It's not practical, but most of the DAO stuff on, on chain. So right now we're using snapshot, but you know, the way that compound has like on-chain votes for like updating contracts and things like that. I think that is the goal eventually. I think that the tech isn't, 100% there yet. And when we're not quite at that stage yet with the DAO risk that we still need the speed and whatever being on snapshot. But, you know, we were DAO first and like basically everything that happens with the protocol is enacted by the DAO with a vote. Um, and that's really the purpose of the gear token. Got it. And in addition to the initial allocation of gear tokens, are you currently using gear as incentives anywhere? Yeah, so gear right now is used to incentivize the passive lending side. As I mentioned, that's kind of one of the things that we're looking to get more interest in. So 
token incentives are used only on some of the pools, not all of the pools. It is used to incentivize some of the higher utilization pools in Gearbox. And then also there's like, I think a gear with pool in Curve that also has token incentives. And that's just, you know, your typical, we need some liquidity on the token, otherwise people complain type of thing. Yeah. And some of that is protocol owned as well. Some of that is protocol owned liquidity, but that's not really the focus. So yeah, in short, we're incentivizing the lending side. That sounds smart. And then just one more on the DAO, because I'd love to hear how active a community you have. Do you see lots of organic community contributions, suggestions, and votes coming in? Yeah, I think the community is, at least based on my experience, community is one of the most active in DeFi. We are open, we're always open to new contributors, number one, whether that's devs or people like me who just make memes or whatever. We have a program called Vibes, which is a basically a kind of sub-DAO where people who are interested in contributing can kind of take the first steps. That's run by one of our uh, best contributors, uh, Nikki. Basically, you can earn like Vibes points. I, I forget what they call it, but you can earn Vibes points for like doing small things that contribute to it's a DAO. And basically like we see that and like if you're doing a lot of really good stuff, then okay, let's have a conversation about taking it up a notch and become like a full proper contributor type of thing. So there's multiple stages of contribution that you can do, right? So you can like dip your toes in with Vibes DAO. And then if you're like, oh, this is great. I like the people you can like do more if you want to. And then I think we've had contributors come in on the dev side as well, which is a kind of a different process, um, primarily run through the existing devs. And then there's the governance farm which are pretty active. I know, like, you know, fingers crossed, I know these things change over time, right? Most DAOs at the beginning, there's a lot of flurry of activity. And then like over time, it dwindles. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen to Gearbox, but right now the governance farms are still pretty active. There's a lot of cool discussions about like risk parameters. I mean, cool if you're like a DeFi nerd, I guess. But there's a lot of discussions about risk parameters, like oh, what collateral should we add? I also think that it's helpful that a lot of what we're trying to build involves collaborating or integrating other projects and protocols. And so we have like visitors from other protocols being like, hey, would you be interested in adding this collateral? And maybe that's something that we hadn't thought of before, but then we can have a discussion about like, oh, is it safe? Is there enough liquidity? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, I think the DAO right now is, is very active um, and I hope that that continues going forward. Let's hope you're able to maintain that. Then just the final question for this interview, what's next for Gearbox? What are you currently focusing on from a day-to-day -day operations perspective? And is there anything you can share from your mid to long-term roadmap? Sure. So there's a couple of things, right? There's the things that we're focusing on in terms of the things that we want to push right now. And then there's the kind of dev side, right? So the things that we're looking at right now in terms of things we want people to be more aware of is, you know, there's this whole big LSD narrative with liquid staking derivatives like Lido, Rocket Pool, et cetera. We already have Lido integrated. We're looking to expand and the various types of liquid staking derivatives that are accessible on Gearbox, either as strategies or collateral or both. So that's really something that we're looking hard at and we're pushing this this idea of like, oh, like it's not good enough to, to do LSDs. Like you want to do like heroic dose, like LLSDs, leverage liquid staking derivatives. You know what I mean? So like go hard or go home. And like, I, I guess there are other options out there too, but Gearbox is amongst the only protocols that offer you leverage on liquid staking derivatives. And that's only going to grow as we expand and integrate more uh, options there. So that's one thing that we're looking at. And then also recently the devs have been working on these very cool updates to Gearbox. Basically they're integrating bots. You know, I think with Gelato and some other, the, the, the folks who run Keeper Network and things like that. Basically the idea is like, I'm not a dev, so I can't give you the, the technical details 
bots, the high level idea is we can have these bots, we can have them relatively decentralized and permissionless in the way that like, if you do a trade through CowSwap, for example, somebody is facilita facilitating that trade by essentially doing your transaction for you, right? And they get paid whatever percentage for, for doing that transaction. You can have the same thing happen with bots and Gearbox. And that gives you not just leverage strategies, but some kind of automated leverage strategies. So the things that this enables is limit orders with leverage, right? That's number one. Liquidation protection in some ways. So like you can adjust your collateral position, adjust your strategies based on your health factor, which is how we measure how close you are to liquidation. Basically protect your funds better. And then automated uh, strategies, whether that's trading or farming, right? So you can like monitor, oh, APY on this pool is higher than APY on that pool. So we're going to automatically switch the funds over. But we don't want to switch more than once every 30 days because like slippage or whatever, right? So like all of those things you can, as an individual, if you're like a sophisticated user, you can like make your own bots and define exactly how that strategy is going to work define all the limits and just have it happen in an automated way. And then the bots can also be like permissionless or permissioned, right? So you can just open it up and be like any, just like liquidators, right? Anybody out there who wants to ping the transaction and like complete the transaction for me and then you get paid a fee, or you can make it permission and be like, oh, only my, only my, like only these wallets can carry out these transactions, right? So there's like whatever level of decentralization you want on the bots, you can do it. That's an, as an individual user. And then also what I think this really enables is like protocols to build pretty advanced automated strategies, right? So we we talked about Brachma before. There's a protocol called, protocol called Mellow who's working on this stuff with us. Basically, like it opens up a whole new range of possible DeFi strategies, I think, when you have the leverage and the automation. It's going to be really cool to see what some of these protocols come up with in terms of purely on-chain DeFi strategies that just run by themselves. So that those are the two things that I'm particularly excited about. I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff. We're always looking to add new collaterals and new strategies like on a big case-by-case -case basis as well. But uh, yeah, those two things are particularly exciting. I agree. Can't wait to see how everything plays out. Thank you so much, Amplist, for this overview of Gearbox. I hope we can do it again in the future. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot.